Hey, welcome to the Juice Bar Experts podcast, where we are going to give you tips, tools, strategies for launching a new juice bar or scaling and increasing the profitability and efficiency in your existing juice bar. I'm your host, Andrew McFarlane. For the last 10 years, I've been in the juice bar business, running my own juice bars, as well as helping hundreds of entrepreneurs all around the world launch successful juice businesses. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey guys, so I am happy you're here, happy to be here with you, talking to you about your juice bar competitors in this episode and podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about a couple of things. One, you might be in a situation where you don't have a juice bar yet and you are analyzing a market and you might be curious, is it too competitive? Is it oversaturated? You might be in a place where maybe you're thinking about opening near a particular juice bar brand that might be more or less established. Or you might be thinking about as a whole, once you open your juice bar, how do you discourage other potential competitors from entering the market? So we will discuss this and so much more uh, so you can move with confidence, which is really important because obviously when you establish your location, and are considering jumping into a storefront and a lease, it's a big decision and you wanna make sure that you're making the right decision and you wanna increase your chances of success as much as possible. So let's dive into it. Uh, I had the inspiration to make this podcast episode based on a conversation I had recently with someone in the community and they are in what he was feeling and was actually accurate in his feeling that he had a great opportunity on his hands in terms of a potential storefront, but was also curious because there were other well-renowned juice bar businesses in the area, in particular a company that you guys I'm sure have heard of called Jamba Juice. Now Jamba Juice is at this stage, when I'm recording this to my knowledge, the biggest juice business in the world. Uh, I don't know exactly how many storefronts they have, but you know, in the hundreds. And so the, you know, in making this kind of decision, you may be a little bit skeptical or even nervous if you're thinking about opening a place and you see that there's, you know, a company with this kind of brand recognition in the vicinity. And simultaneously, you also might be aware that Jamba Juice serves a specific kind of customer, a specific segment of individuals. And so the thing that I always ask is, does a brand like Mercedes compete with a brand like Honda? And ultimately the answer is no, even though they both sell cars. So yes, they are what we would call like indirect competitors, but they're not really direct competitors because an individual who is looking to purchase a Mercedes doesn't then walk across the street and decide, well, let me get a Honda instead. They are buying a car and a vehicle from a different paradigm. The things that they value, things like luxury, are a huge component in their purchasing decision. Whereas somebody who's buying a Honda generally is purchasing it for more economical reasons 
And, you know, I'm speaking in generalities. This is 80% of the psychology of people who make these kinds of these kinds of decisions. And so it's the same thing when you're developing a juice bar business. You are really only in competition to the degree that you don't differentiate yourself. So you have to ask yourself first and foremost, you know, is the market there? And this in this person's particular scenario, they were noticing that there was a very prominent health food store in the area that does a lot of volume, has a lot of customers, generally somewhere in the range of maybe even a thousand customers a day or more, uh, you know, in the thousands potentially. And so these are really, really good market indicators of the maturity of that environment and, and the opportunity to segment the customer base in giving them uh, a, a wider variety of options when it comes to buying juice. And so when it come, when you're looking at your brand and you're developing your brand, you really have to ask yourself in order to distinguish our business, how are we going to be different? And I mean distinctly different. I don't mean kind of different because sometimes people will ask, well, there's a juice bar around the corner and they make so-and-so. We can serve salads. They don't sell salads. Or we can sell, you know, vegan desserts. They don't do that. And my response to that is, it's not about the products you serve exactly. It is and it isn't, and I'll get more deeply into this. But if you can, if that company can eventually just do what you're doing, meaning that they can make salads and then they can make vegan desserts, then how long is it going to be if they actually see that you're building momentum based on those categories of product offerings, how, how long is it going to be before they do it? Okay, great. Now you guys are in the same boat. And when I say distinctly differentiating yourself, I mean things that are bigger decisions for a business in particular, cold pressing, using organic produce, using glass, right? Who you're segmenting your product offerings for, because if you're targeting millennials, Usually it's very different than if you're targeting parents or moms or elderly people, right? The kinds of the way that you have your company narrative in terms of the problems that you solve is going to be slightly, slightly to extremely different. And so those are the things that you have to really think about and, and get clear on who those companies are and who they serve. Because in, a, in this specific instance, a company like Jamba Juice, for the most part, is catering to an audience that's looking for a, light, a low price point offering that isn't extremely health focused because you can just notice by the quality of their ingredients uh, what, how um, specialized their offerings are or how educated or I should say how uh, yeah, health focused in general their customer base is. I know that for me on my own health journey, I was going to Jamba Juice and other franchise brands and I wasn't really going there because I, I had a, a, a deep relationship with my health. I was, you know, maybe thirsty and it was a hot day and I wanted something cold that tastes good. That's where I was making decisions from. Whereas for you guys in this audience, for the most part, the majority of you are really, really health conscious. And so you're going to develop a product that caters to a health focused audience. And that is a different, you know, it's Mercedes and it's Honda. You are going for quality as opposed to just low price point offerings. And that's a big dis, uh, differentiating factor. And you want to make sure that in your visual presentation, everything is reflective of that uniqueness of your brand. So in that way, 
although there may be some crossover where you're competing, you're really not competing because customers aren't thinking, oh, well, do I go to Jamba Juice or do I go to, you know, your, whatever your juice bar's name is. No, if they are connected to your brand and they really value high quality products, this, and this is just one example of how you can differentiate yourself. There's a number of ways that you can do it. It's, this, is, this is only one. You could focus on, let's say, people who are really oriented to going to the gym. And so everything in your product offerings is for like fitness buffs. Because although there's crossover, we're, there's also segments in the market that are more particular. And so when you're creating a juice bar business, for people that are doing CrossFit and, and weightlifting and maybe doing heavy amounts of cardio, you can design product offerings and even the way that your space feels and looks to communicate to them, to make them feel like this business fits like a glove for me, for who I am, for what I feel is important. Very different than Jamba Juice, which is you know colorful, playful, light. It's not really made for the high, um, high intensity athletes. It's a different kind of business. And so, be aware of, of, of who you are as a company in order to differentiate yourself. And that's the, the best way to make sure you reduce the experience of competition. The thing you don't want to do is you don't want to compete on price. People, for whatever reason, and I know that sometimes it's scary because you don't want people to walk in and think that your juices are too expensive or your, any of your products are too expensive. But, you know, a Mercedes is going to be too expensive for some people. And so you have to be willing to know, based on who you are, where you need to put your price range and that not everyone might be able to afford it. As long as the right amount of people can to make sure that your business is thriving, that's all you need. Um, and so moving on from there, let's talk about how, you know, market saturation as a whole. And this is a, this is a really... I should say difficult one to analyze because markets, you know, they, we have this whole thing in economies talking about supply and demand. Markets evolve just like the juice bar industry is showing up as a response and a demand for consumers who are now realizing the importance and the effects of what they're putting in their bodies. And so juice bars are showing up. We're also noticing that in a lot of ways, conventional and traditional healthcare methods, although in some circumstances they may be super beneficial in a response to someone who is ill, we realize that there's not a lot of education and infrastructure for preventative care and, and taking care of your diet is a huge part of preventing yourself from getting ill early on in life and even later on in life. And so we're seeing that this is part of the demand that's happening in the industry and all these juice bars are popping up. But we have to realize that the rate of expansion of a juice bar might, in some areas, outpace the development of the psychology of the individuals in that market. And so it's kind of like, you know, when you look at a stock chart, it's like these two lines that, you know, at some point there's more demand than there is supply, and then sometimes there's more supply than there is demand, and that's always a continual thing. It's evolving. And so I always like to think about, you know, media and, and content drives the evolution of humanity. Just like you guys are listening to this podcast and it's helping you guys evolve as entrepreneurs, people evolve in regards to their health when they're able to gain the knowledge and the insight that's gonna support them to evolve. And so I'm always watching trends around uh, you know, TV shows and what they're talking about and how popular, popular certain diet trends, or I should say diet um, habits like the plant-based diet that's, that's really uh, having such rapid adoption is moving. 
You can even search things like on Google Trends. It's google.com slash trends, and you can type in certain keywords like veganism or plant-based or juice bar. You can see the psychological trends because it's all based on search. Uh, and that's giving you an idea of what's happening in people's minds. Same thing too with certain movies being launched, looking at a, a film like Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead, which had a huge impact on people starting to juice and juice cleanse and change their diets because of seeing this individual's health journey. And there's another movie coming out soon about uh, plant-based bodybuilders and athletes, which I'm sure is gonna have a huge impact on athletes going more plant-based in the very near future. And so being aware of these as these elements as indicators that change people's psychology around adopting certain lifestyle habits like drinking more juice and smoothies and so on. That's going to help you understand in the market where things are at. There's other key indicators as well. We look at how many gyms, how many yoga studios, Pilates studios, dance studios. What is the, what is the amount of, of demand in these segments? Because Clearly, the individual who's doing these activities is also someone who's focused on their health and generally is going to visit a juice bar. And so you can start just doing average numbers. If you were to estimate, the strategy would be like this. Okay, how many dance studios, yoga studios, Pilates studios, uh, gyms are in my given area? How far generally do people travel to a juice bar? How many members, active members do these places have. Sometimes you can even call them and ask them. You're going to start to get a, a, an idea now of the entire market just from, and this is the, the targeted market. This is not a hundred percent because there's people who do other things that they might not be very, very active, but you know, we always look at the 80-20 principle. We have to look at the majority because the majority is going to give you the, the clearest picture. And so once you have an idea based on the memberships of these kinds of businesses, you could start to estimate what's going to be my uh, moderate, and I should say realistic conversion of people that I can, if I market my business well and I execute well, how many of these individuals could I actually capture? And it, you know, realistically, you could probably say somewhere in the realm of 30% in an area. But now the, the big thing is thinking about once again, how far are people going to travel to your individual space? And if you're in a city, it's usually less because things are more condensed than if you're in a suburb, which obviously people are used to driving further distances. And based on that, you can start to get a sense of how saturated your market is because you know that, okay, at each individual juice bar, people are traveling this far generally, and they might see on average between 100 and 200 customers a day. Okay, great. And then those 100 and 200 customers, how does that correlate to the amount of people that are in this target market. You can also sit at these juice bars and stay there for a while and see how many people are walking in and out if you feel like you have a lot of competition in the area um, or potentially feel that you might. And so that's one way to figure out if your market is saturated and kind of where it is in that cycle, so on and so forth. Now let's dive into kind of the last part of this conversation today, which is when you open a juice bar, how do you discourage other people from wanting to compete with you? right? You've got your territory. You open up your store and you know that people are traveling a mile, two miles or so on to come to your store. How do you discourage someone else from really coming in to try to grab some of that market share from you? Because the truth is, is you can't control it. Only thing you can do is, is really uh, uh, make it hard for someone to want to do that. And the analogy that I use in this situation is kind of like you know, competition may be one of the greatest metaphors or I should say real life examples of that is sports. You, you see people play professional sports and you think, okay, in the spectrum of talent, 
Do I want to play against Michael Jordan or do I want to play against that you know, local high school basketball star? Although he might be good, he's not on the professional level. He's not one of the greatest players to have ever lived. So if you really want to discourage people, it's, it's you know, a simple thought and maybe it's more difficult to execute, but you have to make sure that you're just the best. You have to execute well. And this is why I really, really encourage people to seek support. If you don't have a lot of experience and you really aren't 110% confident that you're amazing and going to be the best in your industry, then find resources to get to that place. And this is why we love mentoring people. We love helping people. We love helping people develop all the aspects of their business because we can assure you that if you are getting guidance and support from a company like ours, you are going to be the best in your market. And so think about what it is, once again, like I said early on, that's gonna differentiate you and always make the, the strong effort to improve. And, and not just to improve, but to improve rapidly. I, I also see, unfortunately, some juice bar owners and business owners in other categories that know that they have certain issues that they need to improve upon, but they just let them linger. It's, you know, they've had some issue with product quality and it's been four months and that's never been addressed. And they're thinking, oh yeah, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And you have to be aware of the things that are really important to make sure that your customers are having a great experience, not just a good experience, a great experience, an excellent experience. That should be your standard, right? For example, for us, you know, if someone's in our juice bar and we hand them a drink and we say, hey, how'd you like it? And they say, yeah, it was good. We don't want that as an answer. Our answer, their answer should be, oh my God, this is amazing. It should, it should blow their mind. And so just having a standard that is so high for us, we would say, you know, yeah, you liked it, but you didn't love it. What, what don't you love about it? Let me make you another one, right? Because one, they're going to feel so loyal to you. And two, you're going to make sure that that customer has no desire to go anywhere else in the future because they just know that every time they come into your business, they're going to be wowed. You can think about it like a relationship because in, in a lot of ways, it very much is that. Now, granted, people aren't committed and nobody's married to your business. They don't have to be loyal to you. But in a lot of ways, just like in relationships, you don't have to stay with one person. But what's going to keep you there? It's a, it's a work in progress every single day. And that means that you have to be a great partner. You have to be a great husband or wife or whoever you are to that individual in order to inspire them to stay with you. And it's the same thing when it comes to a business, you have to be amazing in order to make sure that you discourage other people from wanting to compete because they, you know, they will know that they'll have an uphill battle that they may not want to take on that'll be way too risky for them. And so be aware of that. Build a unique brand, execute excellently, make sure that your menu is phenomenal. These are all things that we can help you with. Uh, I spoke to a prospective client the other day. He's in business and unfortunately his business isn't really doing well. The one thing I want to say about that is at that stage, you know, a lot of times people think about trying to get help when it's too late, right? It, when you, when you are, when your business isn't going well and you're burning money, that's, that's not the time. I mean, although you do need support in that phase of your business, but sometimes you can't actually even afford the support because you've waited too long. And so I always encourage you guys, 
raise the extra capital or do what you need to do to actually get support so you know day one you're executing well because you don't want to wait until it's too late until you know your your kind of metaphoric neck is bleeding and then you're going oh i need help because you might not be able to receive it because your cash flow doesn't actually allow for that to be the case and so make sure that you're executing excellently that's a tongue twister execute excellently and uh, yeah and and just differentiate yourself so that you discourage other businesses from trying to enter your market. That's ultimately all that you can do. That's all that you can control. The other thing that I will say, which is kind of a minor thing that you can control in a legal standpoint, is if you are in a um, shopping mall or you're in some sort of strip mall, you can make sure that you get exclusivity clauses inside of your lease. This means that you will say that with these certain product offerings, we will have an exclusive right and no one else in this complex can sell juices or sell smoothies or salads or whatever you negotiate in your lease. That's one thing that can give you leverage, at least from having immediate competition, because the last thing that you want is someone to open up a business that's not exactly the same thing you're doing. Maybe they're a donut shop and they decide that they want to sell juices, which I've seen, which is kind of crazy, but I've seen it. Um, or they're a deli and now they want to make acai bowls. You want to discourage them from doing that. So get it into your lease ahead of time if you can negotiate it to make sure that you have an exclusivity clause around what the people in the same shopping complex can actually serve. And it's, you know, ultimately it's good for the landlord. Some landlords are more or less professional. So that's why you want to be proactive in getting these terms in there. Some landlords are really, really on top of it. Some landlords are not. And so it depends on where you're at. But be aware of that. That's one thing that you can do to kind of control the tides in your favor, at least in your immediate proximity of you know, your strip mall or mall or your complex, wherever you're at. So I hope this has been insightful and helpful as always. If you guys need support and you want to either take your business to the next level or need support in launching your business, reach out to me personally. You can email me at andrew at starterjuicebar.com. And with that being said, I hope you guys are feeling healthy and happy and thriving and uh, grateful and your life is beautiful. And I will see you guys at the next podcast episode.